Welcome to a refreshing podcast from Life Church. Get ready. The Word of God will be planted into your heart and will produce God's best in your life. So they just did it by uh, mugshots, right? So they had a series of mugshots in their database. They saw the individual that was unrecognizable, but they kind of felt, hey, this, I think this is him, you know? And they somehow got a hold of their loved ones, that, that individual's loved ones, so they thought. And they had these sisters make an identification. And so they had to make an identification that this is our brother. In fact, I kind of I misstated something. He actually was not dead. He was dying. He was dying, and he was on life support. And they wanted to know, what do you want us to do? Do you want to pull the plug or not? And they put the pressure on these sisters to make a decision. And lo and behold, after hearing all the medical you know, diagnoses of he can't live, he's going to be brain dead, all these things, they decided to pull the plug. Problem is, that wasn't their brother. That wasn't their brother. Shortly thereafter, the brother that they thought was in that hospital comes knocking on their door, you know, and they're like, surprised that he's alive and they realize that who that individual was who's still alive wasn't actually who they thought it was and they pulled the plug they pulled the plug and it corresponded to something that the Lord put in my heart already to share with you to talk to you about don't pull the plug don't pull the plug and I share that because I realize many of us are pulling the plugs from our own life, and we don't have the right information. And we're making decisions to disconnect from God, disconnect from the life of God, disconnect from things that are rightfully ours because we're misidentifying certain things. And so I want to share with you a few things today, this Father's Day. I'm not going to be before you long, as they like to say, because I know you have some plans for Father's Day. But Here's a few things that I wrote down that I felt the Lord just put quickly in my heart. Why do people pull the plug? Why do people give up? Why do people quit on different things? One, they've lost all hope. They've lost all hope. Maybe you're sitting here and you've lost all hope. And I'm not even talking about just for living. Maybe you've lost hope in a certain area of your life and you're determining, I'm, gonna pull, I'm pulling the plug on this. I'm not, I'm not committing to this anymore. I'm not going to believe for this anymore. I'm not going to trust for this anymore. I'm not going to desire this anymore. I'm pulling the plug. Two, they're tired of fighting. Have you ever been there before? Tired of fighting? Tired of standing your ground? Tired of believing God? Tired of waiting? You're tired of fighting. And so some people are pulling the plug because they're tired of fighting. Three, they've lost desire. Isn't that interesting? I think I shared this years ago here at Life Church. I know a woman of God who uh, was estranged from her husband for many, many years, and she believed God for his return back to the Lord because he, was, he wasn't living a life exemplary of a Christian. He, he wasn't a good husband to her. And so they separated, and she believed God that he would repent and he would come back to the Lord. 
And many, many, many years went by before he made that decision. And when he finally made that decision, he came back to her. And, and she kept herself. She wasn't involved in any relationship. She, wasn't, she didn't entertain anything. She lived as if she was a married woman. But when he came back, like, take me back, and this is what she was praying for, suddenly she lost the desire for it. After 15 years or so of standing for this man's change of heart, when it happened, she didn't want it anymore. So she pulled the plug. You know, that's so true also with Zacharias, who received a visitation from the angel. And he said, your wife Elizabeth is going to bear you a son. You're going to call him John, John the Baptist. This is who we're talking about. But the first thing that the angel said to him was, your prayers have been answered. Your prayers have been answered. And Zacharias was so shocked. And he said, how can this be, given that I'm old and my wife is old? So what does that tell you? That this is something he prayed a long time ago. This is something he prayed for a long time ago. The angel appeared to him and said, your prayers have been answered. And he came to a point where he stopped believing for it. He pulled the plug on it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe we can all relate to things that you've been believing God for for a long time. Here's the, th here's the thing. And, and there's things that we can, you know, ignite in the realm of the spirit to expedite those things. But this is one thing I want you to be very careful of. When you're fighting and standing for something for, so, for such a long time, it's not uncommon for people to come to a point in their life where they say, I don't want it anymore. So people pull the plug. I'm speaking right now a second wind over your life right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, receive that. I sense that you need that. A second wind to fight again, to stand again, and to trust again in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen to that. Another reason why people pull the plug, they simply just don't believe anymore. I just don't believe. So I've lost hope. I'm tired of fighting. I've lost desire, and I just don't believe. But while we're talking about revival, I'm telling you all of those things are not going to be true for you. If you fight, you will win. If you don't quit, you will reap. And this is what oftentimes the enemy is after. He's after your fight. He's after your hope. He's after your desire. He's after your faith. He wants you to quit. He wants you to come into a place where you are sleeping and dormant. You're not revived. You're not excited. You're not believing. You're not hopeful. No, 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 no. That ends today in the name of Jesus. Come on. Are you excited about that? Don't pull the plug. Somebody say, don't pull the plug. Say it loud. Don't pull the plug. I'm going to share a story with you of someone who's just about to pull the plug. Oh, but he heard the right word at the right time. He was, he was about to pull the plug. And you know the story very well, and that is Jairus. Jairus was a ruler who had a daughter who was sick. He came to Jesus. He wanted Jesus to heal his daughter. Jairus was a, obviously a loving father. He sought Jesus out, said, you must do this. But I want to go a little different here. I want to show you something that I think the Lord really impressed upon me very hard in my heart. So please pay attention to this story. Mark 5, 21 to 23. Now, when 
Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side. A great multitude gathered to him, and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name. And when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. So here's Jairus. He's in faith. He already spelled out what's going to happen. Jesus, if you come and you lay your hands on her, she's going to be well. She's going to live. This man sounds like a man of faith. No problem there. I mean, this is, and this is happening at the point of her death. She's about to die. This is not like she has a common cold. She doesn't have a back pain. No, she's about to die. And yet he is saying, hey, I am so confident that Jesus, if you would come and lay your hands on her, she's going to be made well. No problem there. And then there's an interruption. We won't have to read all that, but the interruption is that there's another need that comes up. A woman that has an issue in her body where she is constantly menstruating. And she says to herself, if I may just touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. And so she does that. Jesus stops on his tracks. He's wondering what happened. And there's this whole big discussion. I'm always thinking about Jairus in this story. I'm always thinking about the man who first came to Jesus. And Jesus says, yes, I'll come and I'll go lay my hands on your daughter. And now Jesus decides to just spark and start having this long-winded conversation about who touched him. Yo, if I was Jairus, I'd be like, Jesus, I'm about to lay hands on you. If you... No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm going back. I'm going back to what he may have thought. I know better, of course. But can you imagine where you think that Jesus is not moving fast enough? Didn't I tell you my daughter's about to die? Why are you concerned about who touched you? We're all touching you. Like, we're all touching you. I mean, and Jesus, no, 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 someone touched me. Someone touched me here. And, and I felt that power came out of me and all of this. And there's a major interruption. Now, while this is happening, while this is happening, he gets bad news. Jumping to verse 35, while he was still speaking. So he's still speaking. Think about that. Jesus is still talking. Some came from the ruler of the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? Now, this is the thing that I really want to park on. This was, I, the Lord just allowed the, those words to jump off the page because he wanted to show me something. They weren't just saying to him, hey, it's over. They were really saying to him, Jesus can't do anything for you. That's what they were saying. Jesus cannot do anything for you. It's over. Like, right now is the time you should disconnect and walk away from Jesus. Why are you bothering, believing any further than this? Jesus can't help you can't save you in this situation. And many people are tempted to pull the plug, pull the plug, because they are getting that kind of message. It's over. He can't help you anymore. I want to help you right now, because if you're in this place and you feel, dis you feel like I'm about to pull the plug, I'm about to end it, I'm about to just end this, and that, and what I believe God first gave me, spoke to me, what he revealed to me. I'm not going to believe for it. I'm not going to fight for it anymore. I'm not going to trust for it. Not, I don't even want it anymore. And you feel like I'm going to just let it go. No, 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 no. Look, 
what Jesus says in the very next verse. Verse 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word, I love that. As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, and that's the key thing I want to really be, I, I want you to understand. Hear your, watch what you're hearing in your environment. It's very, very subtle. If you want to live a life of revival, you have to be very careful what you hear. And here's what I mean by being careful. I don't mean stopping your ears. No, 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 no. Because you're going to be in an environment where people are going to say things. But you got to do what Jesus said. You got to do what he did. You have to have a response for what you hear. So as soon as he heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. So in other words, I know you're about to walk away from me. I know you're about to say, Jesus, thanks for at least wanting to come. Thank you for taking the time that you did. I, I know you're about to turn your back and pull the plug, but I'm telling you this, don't be afraid, only believe. I heard that word, now hear this word. So what I've practiced in my life is that when I'm around people who say things that, because we all can relate to it, someone says something and it, it stirs up a fear in you, right? I, I got into the practice of rejecting those words and not allowing them to fester in the environment. And let me tell you something, that is hard. It is hard because you will look foolish at times. You will look like you're, you're in la-la land. Don't, don't you see what's going on? Come on, let's be real. We're not in church anymore. This is real life. You, Katie, these are the words that we hear. This is real life. Okay, praise the Lord. Oh, yeah, yeah, praise the Lord. I believe in praise of the Lord. But this is real life now. And what we do is we settle in this place where the Bible warns against, and that is having a form of godliness, a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. You know how many people have a form, meaning they can say the right thing, believe the right thing, you know, or act like it. But when, it, when the rubber meets the road, they do not believe in the power of the word. And they are quick to pull the plug. I'm telling you right now, do not pull the plug. Do not pull the plug. Oh, there's so many times people are about to pull the plug and then they get a revelation. Nope. I think I read this a couple of weeks ago where, where Hagar, was, she put her son a distance. She says, I, 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 I can't see him dying. So let me just put him here so I don't have to look at him dying. And it was in that moment that God stepped into her life and said, Hagar. No, 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 no. There is more life for him. He is not going to die. You think that you have to pull the plug on him? You don't. Hezekiah was crying one day, Lord, I don't want to die because he heard, he heard a word and he poured himself out to the Lord. God said, I've seen your tears. I've heard your prayers. I'm giving you 15 more years. You know what's funny about that story? If you read the next chapter, Hezekiah gets another word. And that word is about the next generation, his children and his children's children. And it's a word of condemnation, how they're going to die and God's going to judge them. And Hezekiah doesn't pray for it. In fact, what he says, he says, well, at least there will be peace in my lifetime. That's exactly what he says. It's amazing how Hezekiah knew enough to say, uh-uh, I cannot die 
and he poured himself out. He turned himself to the wall, the Bible says, and cried and pled his case. And God said, I heard you. I've seen your tears. I'm extending your life by 15 years. And then the same word came for a later generation. And he said, well, at least I'm good. (laughs) That's amazing. I want you to see something here. People are too quick to pull the plug. I just feel to tell you right now, there is more life. There is more life. There is more life ahead in the name of Jesus. Oh, I see a freshening, a refreshing happening over you. I see that those who are about to pull the plug are putting the plug in, firmly in, in the name of the Lord Jesus. God is good. Come on, let's, let's go a little deeper here. When do you feel tempted to pull the plug? One, when something has died in your life, a relationship, a loved one, a career goal. Think about moments when you wanted to pull the plug. It's in that moment that you felt something died. Think about that for a second. I'm talking real slow and calm, and I want to, I want you to, I want to reason with you because I want you to see the pattern of your life, how you live. When did you feel like quitting? When did you feel like pulling the plug? It's because something you felt died. A loved one. It could be a loved one who passed away. How many people have experienced loved ones passed away and for that reason they are disconnected and disinterested in the things of God? And they may not utter it with their mouth, but they're saying it in their heart. God, you let me down. You disappointed me. A relationship comes to an end. Imagine that. I'm not talking about a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, although that could be devastating too. I'm talking about a marriage that you were with the person for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and you find out this person is not who you thought they were. You know how people look at a devastating situation like that? And they may not utter it with their mouth, but they believe it in their heart. God, this is your fault. People are tempted to pull the plug when they feel disappointed and they want to blame God for it. I want you to be careful about that because disappointment is the door for temptation. Disappointment is the doorway of of temptation. The moment you are disappointed, there is is a way out. Hey, you feel that way too? So do I. This is what you should do. Watch how you feel when you're disappointed because oftentimes there's a trap on the other side of the door. God told Cain, he says, why are you down? Why are you sad? Why, is your, why, 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 why are you upset for? And Cain goes and says, you know why? Because I'm tired of the fact that, you know, my brother Abel was able to present an offering to you and you accepted it. But for me, it seemed like you're rejecting me. And what God told him, he gave him a warning. He said, sin is crouching at the door. God have mercy. He said, sin is crouching at the door. It's waiting for you. He says, but you should rule over it. Be careful and rule over it. And many people are disappointed, and they don't do anything with that disappointment, and there is sin crouching at the door, waiting for that door to open. 
I want to speak to you about revival here because I, I, want, I want you to see something. The reason why sometimes we come out of revival is because we're living in constant disappointment, regret, and we hold God responsible for it. And I just got to say it and say it loud. God is not to blame. I didn't even say it that loud, but you got the point, right? God is not to blame. And he wants to revive your soul, but you have to let go of that feeling that he is to blame. When something has died, let me share this with you. Go. I'll give you another point. Another reason why people want to pull the plug, similar, but I'm going to say it this way. When your expectation of Jesus is unmet. You ever have expectations of Jesus that he didn't meet? Let's be honest. And is it possible that your expectations weren't founded? Okay, let me ask you this way. Anybody ever expected something of you that you'd never promised? Think about that. You, you, anybody ever expect something of you? I thought you were going to wash the dishes. <laughs> but it's Father's Day, honey. No, just kidding. <laughs> By the way, you like my Father's Day shirt? Yeah. My, my, my daughter put this out, put this together. So it says, fun, Alert, thoughtful, humble, earnest, and rad. Now, for, you, for those who, Ernest is not my name, it's Ernst. She knows how to spell my name. Ernest is also a word. All right. So I am Ernest. And actually, Ernst is a derivative of the same word. So it's amazing because this actually does describe my personality pretty well. Ernest means, I'm not trying to brag, but it means sincere. Hello. It means vigorous. It means serious. So that's what earnest means. Oh, you, you, you like this? You like, you, like, you, like, you like the picture here? Yeah. I, I said I was going to wear this, this shirt. <laughs> but let me share something with you about someone who had an expectation of Jesus that Jesus never promised. And it led to, I'm just talking, I feel a grace to talk to you. It led to Temptation crouching at the door. Peter had an expectation of Jesus that Jesus never promised. You have to be very careful of what you expect. And you have to ask yourself, why do I expect this? Why do I actually expect this? What legal right do I have to have this expectation? Peter had expectations of Jesus. And one of the things that Peter wanted, he wanted Jesus and not only Peter, but I'll use him as an example. He wanted Jesus to restore the kingdom of Israel back to its rightful place of, of, of being sovereign, out from the, the, uh, the, the oppression of the Romans. He wanted Israel to be a free nation. And he had some reasons to believe that Jesus would do this because it was prophesied that the Messiah would come and deliver the nation of Israel. His timing was just off. He thought that the first coming of Christ was the time that Jesus would do that. So when Jesus came, Jesus came with a certain timeline. His timeline was, yo, I'm here for a few years and then I'm out. I'm here to live. I'm here to die. I'm here to sacrifice my life for humanity, and I'm here to go up and release my power to the church and for you guys to spread the gospel to the entire world. That's what I'm here for. Peter had a different expectation. Peter wasn't thinking about all that. He didn't know about all that. He thought 
that Jesus would be the one to restore the sovereignty of Israel. And so when Jesus would talk about him dying, Peter rebuked him. Peter put Jesus to the wall, says, stop talking like that, man. That's what he, Jesus, the Bible says that Peter rebuked Jesus. Okay, he didn't just say, hey, Jesus, why are you talking like that? You know, this, that makes me sad. Like, you know, I want, you, I want you to live for a long, that's not, he rebuked him. That's what it says. I want you to see that Peter rebuked Jesus. That means he took him aside and said, yo, man up, man, stop talking like that. Wait, what are you talking about? You're going to die. You're not going to die. Stop that nonsense. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> You're an offense to me. You're an offense to me because you do not mind the things of God. You mind the things of man. And that's what Peter was minding, the things of man. We got to get our country back. We got to be established. We have to establish our sovereignty. And Jesus was like, listen, you're, you're not minding the bigger picture. So you have an expectation of me that I'm not here to fulfill right now. And when you have an expectation of Jesus that you have no reason to expect, you are bound to be frustrated by him. Jesus, that's good. So I've learned, Lord. I want to make sure that my expectations are founded by what you promised me. Amen. This is why Peter was like, listen, I don't care if all these disciples forsake you. Even if they all run out, I'm never forsaking you, Jesus. And Jesus said, okay, before the rooster crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. You're going to be the first one to deny me. It's always the loudest one. You'll be the first one. And you've, you, you've heard me teach this before. Peter wasn't lying when he said this. He just said it with a certain condition because when they came to arrest Jesus, when they came to arrest him, G Peter actually fought. He actually fought. He actually took out his sword. He actually cut the servant's ear off. Peter was serious. But when Jesus said, Stop, put your sword down, when Jesus healed that servant's ear, when Jesus said, let them go, when Jesus yielded to the cross, ah, I'm not here for that. That's not what I, that's, that's not what I expected. That's not what I wanted. I wanted you to fight. I said I was going to fight with you, and you're giving yourself up? No, I can't deal with that. And that's when you see they came to Peter. Weren't you with him? Aren't you one of his disciples? Nah, I don't know him. That, that Jesus, I don't know. I don't know him. And if you read the Gospels very clearly, I believe in, the, in, the, in Luke, it says that they weren't even far. From, it's not like Peter was like in a different room. The last time that he denied Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus turned and looked at him. <laughs> oh, my God. How must that have felt to say, I don't know him. I don't, and not only that, he got so mad, he started to curse. I'm not going to demonstrate that, but you know what that looks like. Yo, stop. I don't know that. That's how vehemently he denied Jesus. Why did he deny Jesus? Why did he pull the plug? Why was he willing to disconnect at that moment? Because he had unmet expectations. I want you to ask yourself this question. The expectations you have, maybe they're not so far off because we know God is good and we expect him to do good things. We get that. 
but maybe you've pigeonholed him to a certain way and you've said it has to look this way. It has to come this way. It has to be in this time. It has to look like this. And when that didn't happen, did you disconnect? I'm here to tell you, I believe heaven is speaking to you. You want to live in revival? Don't pull the plug. Question your doubts. Question your unmet expectations. Don't question your faith. Question your doubts. Why am I not believing? Why am I not? Why am I tempted to go the other way? That's what needs to be scrutinized. Not why do I believe in God? Why, well, why, should, I, why, why should I continue to stay connected to this promise that he spoke to me? No, God is never to blame. And I believe that many people are dying spiritually. They go to church every Sunday, but they're dying spiritually because they won't mention it. But deep inside is because they have unmet expectations. You failed me. God, you failed me. I've been going to church all my life. You failed me. I've been giving my tithes and offerings, but you failed me. I've been faithful to my spouse, and look what happened. You failed me. I've been doing it this way, and you failed me. Lord, I was faithful in this, but you failed me. You got to be careful with that. And you got to judge carefully and judge righteously. And one thing I would caution is never come to the conclusion that God failed you because he can never fail you. And if you be unwilling to unplug, the, un unplug from God, and you, if you're saying, no, I'm going to keep it, I guarantee you revelation will begin to flow. Understanding will begin to flow. And then you'll say, like David said, my feet almost slipped. Psalm 73, 1. he says, I come to the conclusion that God is good, but my feet almost slipped. Oh, you know about that scripture, right? Psalm 73, verse 2. I, I thought, I knew God is good, yeah, but my foot almost slipped. Because I began to question, how good is God? How is it that other people who do not follow seem to be living the life? And here I am. <laughs> and here I am. You're, not, you're, you're in good company here because David had the same questions. And he says, my feet almost slipped, but I came to the revelation. I came to a revelation of God's goodness. Receive that revelation in the name of Jesus. Let's go and let's look at Peter's life a little bit more. John 21, 1 to 6. So, so Peter denies Jesus three times, right? And then Jesus, is a, he, he resurrects from the grave. He shows himself to the disciples. I want, to, I want you to see this. John 21, 1 to 6. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in, and, in, and in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee. And two, two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. That's very key. I'm going to show you why. What was Jesus... What, what was Peter doing when Jesus first encountered him before Jesus' ministry really took off? He was a fisherman, and Jesus met him as a fisherman, okay? So now, Jesus rose from the grave. Peter, he's sort of like in limbo. He's not sure what to do with his life. He doesn't know what to do with his life. Remember, Jesus says, follow me, I'll make you a fisher of men. But Jesus is no longer here. I mean, he died, okay, he resurrected, but what am I doing? Like, what, what's my call? Like, like, I don't, Jesus is not with me anymore. So what's going on? So he makes a decision to go back fishing. They said to them, 
to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. I love that. Now let's jump down to verse 15. So in between that, they gather the fish. They're all eating. Jesus is there. They kind of know, oh, this is Jesus. They kind of know, okay, this is the Lord now. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? What is he talking about when he says, do you love me more than these? Yeah, his fishing business, the fish, what you work so hard for. Do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? I, I know you're a fisherman. I know you take pride in what you do. I want to connect you to what I first spoke to you about. And I want to know something. Are you going to go back to the point where when I first met you, are you, gonna, are you going to a different direction, a direction of purpose? That fishing business was cool. You did well here. You can make money here. You know this. But do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. All right? That's how, that's how you demonstrate you love me. I want you to feed my people. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? Well, you denied him three times, so you should be a little patient. And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Here's where people unplug. They unplug when they have unmet expectations. Something seems to have died in their life. And they don't see the future. Jesus was recentering his focus to what he called them to. What if the career path you're on suddenly comes to an end? The thing that you dreamed about being, the thing that you said, ah, oh, I should be, this is what I really want to, what if no longer it's that? You, do you realize how, fin how, how finicky people are sometimes? They will walk away from God for that reason. Not immediately. Oh, it doesn't look like that. Oh, let me, let, me, let, me, let me describe what it looks like. No one says, oh, I'm done. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. It's a slow backing away. It's a casual backing away. It's a, I'm not as interested. It's stepping away. I'm in the room, but I'm stepping away. I'm not running away. I'm walking away. I'm not turning my back, I'm backing away. I'm slowly disconnecting. I'm slowly showing a lack of interest in what your word has to say to me. Because when I believed you last time, it didn't work. So I'm slowly back. I know too much, I grew up in church, I know too much to curse you and die. I know too much to walk, to walk, to walk away and say, I don't believe you. No, no, no. So I'm gonna slowly get busy. Oh, I wish I can, I wish I could, but I have to work. Before that wasn't an excuse, but now it is. 
oh, I wish I could, but I can't anymore because I had to do this. I'm slowly backing away. Why? Because there's a seed inside of me that says I was done wrong. Slowly backing away. And that's what it looks like when people disconnect. When you pull the plug, you generally don't pass away right away. It's a slow death. And I want to revive you today. If you've been experiencing a slow death because you pulled the plug, there's still a little life in the system, but it's dissipating. And you slowly backing away. God is saying, put the plug back in. I want to breathe life into you. I want to breathe life into your soul. I want to breathe life into what I've called you to. Yes, this didn't work out. Yes, you thought this would go this way and it didn't. It's not over. I didn't quit. You don't quit. When Jesus told that to Jairus, he says, don't doubt. Don't be afraid. Only believe. You know what Jesus was saying? Hey, I'm still down to go to your house. How about you? I heard the same thing you heard. I don't consider it a waste of time. How about you? You down for the journey? God is saying the same thing. I heard what you heard, and I'm not walking away. I'm still moving forward. Do you want to come along with me? Do you want to believe with me? Do you want to stand with me? Because this journey is not yours alone. It's mine. The pain that you experience is not yours alone. God experiences that pain as well. I, I shared this before, but it bears repeating. I remember when First Lady had the, the, the miscarriage prior to the twins coming. And I remember I felt so, 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 ugh, the, the amount of pain was just enormous. And I remember saying, Lord, this is not you. This is not this. I know, I know you didn't do this, not you. And I separated God from it. I said, but I know you're going to turn it around. I had enough faith to know that. I know you're going to turn it around. I know, I know that the end is going to be glorious, and I'm going to give you all the glory. I had enough sense to say that. And I heard the Lord as clear as you're hearing me say this. He says, no, 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 no. This is my story too. This is my story too. The pain you feel, I feel too. The regret you have, I have too. Glory to God. And yes, you're smart to know that it's going to turn around in the future. And that will be me too. I don't disconnect from ugly moments. I don't disconnect from hard moments. I don't disconnect when things are tough. I'm in it all the way. How about you? How about you? And that's where we have to go when we want to live in revival. Because a lot of times we disconnect when it's an ugly moment, when it's a painful moment, when it's a discouraging moment. And let me tell you something right now. God feels it too, but he doesn't disconnect. You know how I many times he could be disappointed in actions and decisions that we've made? He doesn't disconnect. He says, you're still my daughter. I'm still proud of you. I'm still bragging about you to the angels. I'm still your redeemer. I'm still your Lord. I'm still with you. I'm not disconnecting. You don't disconnect. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody say, don't pull the plug. Let me just end with this. People pull the plug when people they love and respect pull the plug. When people they love and respect pull the plug. Or I'll say it this way. People pull the plug when people they love and respect 
don't share your, the, the same faith you share. John chapter 6, 66 to 69. Prior to this, Jesus was saying some very strange things. Very strange. And I, I always believe that Jesus sometimes says things to offend you. Just to see where your heart is. Jesus said offensive, strange, especially the Jewish people. He said things like this. He said, you have to drink my blood and eat my flesh. What the heck are you talking about? That's, that, that was their reaction. He says, unless you drink my blood, <laughs> unless you eat my, my, he knew what he meant, but he knew what they were going to interpret it as. And the reason why that would be particularly offensive to, to, to Jewish people because they, they were forbidden to eat anything with blood in it. You know how you like your steak medium well? I like it well done, like cook it, burnt. But I know people who like it well, like medium well or medium rare. I can't deal with that. I don't want to see no pink. I want to see burnt charred. I wanna, I, that's, that's what I want to see. I'm Jewish to the core. <laughs> But Jews were not able to eat blood. Right? That, that, that was forbidden. And so Jesus in this chapter is saying weird things. He says, unless you drink my blood and eat my flesh, you have no life in you. And they got offended. And they said, and these were believers. And they said, later for this dude. This dude, I was with you up until that time. When you were turning water to wine, yo, you were, okay, but now you just, you off your rocker, I'm done. And they walked away. They pulled the plug. So in verse 66, from that time, many, someone say many. This wasn't just a few people. Many, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? Do you also want to pull the plug? Some people are down with Jesus because it's cool. Because your family members, because your friends, because you have a certain community that, 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 that can insulate you and make you feel connected to something bigger than yourself. But what if that thing isn't there? What if you're the only one? What if you're the only one? Are you still connected? Are you still willing to say, if all? Like Peter said, if all forsake you, Lord, you got one. You got one that won't. I find that many people, it's easy to test what they really believe. You just need to rattle one little variable in their life. Sometimes it's easy to stand strong. Oh, I believe this. I'm a man of faith. I'm a woman of faith. Okay, let, let's test that. Let, 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 let's, let's wiggle this thing out. You know how you, the Jenga game, right? You know, you know how you, you, you kind of like, taking one little piece out. Let's see how strong the foundation really is, right? And so sometimes it's that one little piece. Like, I'm strong. I'm great. Okay, you are? Let's take this piece out. Let's see how, how committed you are, really, to the things of God. Let's see how quick you say, you know what? Later for this, I'm just going to do me. Disappointment will bring you into a place where you don't live a life of revival. You got to check that. And say, Lord, I don't care if those who I love, those I respect, those I admire, mock you, deny you, reject you. Lord, you always will have someone in me that will always be a follower of Christ all the way. 
Am I talking real good today? I want you to understand something, that God is calling you to a place of, re- of realness with him. And so sometimes it'll be that Jenga piece that will start rattling. I'm an excellent Jenga player, by the way. Come see me. Trust me. I'm an ex- You know, Miss B, no. So I know the pieces. Okay. I can, I can take this out. I, I can take this out. And isn't it interesting, the more you take out, the, the, the taller the structure gets. Right? You, you move this out, put it on top, it gets taller. And you start realizing, okay, this is not essential. This is not a load-bearing piece. I can, I can kind of remove this. And, right? And that's, that's the picture that God wants to do in your own life. Something's not important. Let me, let me, let me, you've been making this a foundational piece. Let me, let, me, let me show you that I'm the one holding this up. Let me take this out. And if you allow him, you'll find that you will actually grow taller. You'll actually even be independent of things that you felt like you had to hold on to. And it'll be God who will sustain. Sometimes you're like, oh my God, this thing's going to fall, and it doesn't fall. Why? Because there's that real peace that's really holding it all up. That's where God wants to bring you to, a place where it's the realness that's holding your life up and not the fake pieces that you think. Remember, remember you're playing Jenga, you think, oh, I can't touch this. And then you just touch it, and it just easily comes out. You realize it's not that important. And that's what God is saying to you. There are things that you think are so important, you're unwilling to move. God's like, no, listen, it's not that important. Revival is living a life where you are solely dependent upon the rock, solely dependent upon your true foundation, and that is Jesus Christ. So if I lose my job, I'm still worshiping the Lord. If I lose my, 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 my relationship, my children, God forbid, that's like the, one of the worst things you can ever lose. And, and, and that will happen to none of us here in the name of Jesus. I want to speak that divine protection. But I, I say it like that because I want you to understand some people will deny Christ because they face tragedy. Oh, some people will walk away because they have faced tragedy. And God is like, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than these? This house, these kids, this spouse. Do you love me more than this job? Do you love me more than this comfort of your relationships and friendships that you have? Do you love me more than this? That's how you live a life of revival. How many want that today? Father, we want to live a life of revival in the name of Jesus. We want to live a life completely sold out to you in the name of Jesus. Come on, the Lord is speaking to you right now. What are the foundational pieces that are really not foundational that you need to move out your life? That's what God is poking at right now. That's what, he, that, that's what, he's, that's what he's touching right now. Let him touch it. Let him remove it. Come to a place where you live a life of simplicity solely on him. In the name of the Lord Jesus. This concludes today's message. If you need prayer, want to give a donation, or would like more information about Life Church, visit us at www.nylifechurch.com.